Welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have somebody who's a dear friend of mine, somebody who should be the governor of the great state of Florida, but Democrats sometimes get in our own way. That's a whole nother story, a whole nother episode. We talk about it often, but none other than the former uh, Florida Ag Commissioner. I think I got that right. Nikki Freed. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on today. You're right. It's, it's been too long since I've seen you last. I know. I know. What's going on? What's new in your world? I know you're doing some new things, but my show is unique because we ask all of our guests the same first question, which is to walk us through the arc of your career. So walk us through who Nikki Freed is and how you got to this moment where Nikki Freed, chair of the Florida Democratic Party and all the stops before you got there. So I will try not to bore your your listeners too much. I have a very uh, interesting career. So I went to the University of Florida for any of my Gators that are on here, was there for undergrad, master's law school, was student body president by last year, first female in almost two decades. Uh, Then I started in a typical law career, went into a big law firm doing corporate litigation, hated literally every second of it, uh, and then moved into the public defender's office for three and a half years, seeing really kind of the, the injustice of our criminal justice system. Uh, and then eventually made my way back to South Florida doing uh, defending homeowners during the foreclosure crisis. And then probably eight years in practicing traditional type of law said, you know, I really miss being a part of changing policies and was able to get a job doing government consulting for about 10 years. Um, and then we did a little thing in Florida where we legalized medical cannabis and, and saw this as an opportunity uh, to get involved in the cannabis space again. And so started my own firm called Igniting Florida where I was working on really expanding out access for patients for cannabis. And in 2018, got frustrated with uh, Democrats in the state of Florida, got frustrated uh, with where we were on cannabis reform and decided I'm going to take a crazy ass dive and I'm going to run for statewide office. Uh, And so ultimately ran for commissioner of agriculture in 2018 when we all thought there was going to be a pink wave and a blue wave. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the rest of the Democratic ticket didn't come along with me, but I was the first female to have been elected commissioner of agriculture, uh, not just in the state of Florida, but the entire Southeast. I uh, was the only statewide elected Democrat in 2018 uh, and spent four years in the Florida cabinet uh, sitting next to um, our governor and saw that uh, I had to make a run for it because he the policies that he's uh Forcing upon the people of our state are not in line and decided to run for governor in 2022 and unfortunately did not make it past the primary, um, but the fight doesn't end. And so this past uh, five weeks have now been taken on a new chapter of my life, which is a chair of the Florida Democratic Party to start fixing things on the ground level. What did you learn from your race to be governor? Not not about I mean, we will talk about DeSantis in a little while, but what did you learn about Democratic Party infrastructure and the establishment, because for the first time, you weren't really a chosen one. You were the outsider kind of looking in. How did that feel? What did you learn? Yeah, it was very frustrating, uh, considering that for five, for four years, as the only member of the Florida cabinet um, during the pandemic, where you saw Ron DeSantis having no press conferences, or if he was having a press conference, was telling people to not take the vaccine. Um, and, and so we really became the, the counter to a lot of his policies, not just on COVID, but on, on everything, and was in the trenches fighting um, every single day. It was the first person to actually call him a dictator 
in March of 2020. Everybody thought I had lost my mind, uh, but it, it was, I, I unfortunately, um, he's coming to fruition. So things that I learned was, yeah, it was really frustrating. It, it was really frustrating that after all the work that I had been doing and was the only Democrat to be able to win our state in almost 20 years, uh, to not get the institutional support. And unfortunately went to, uh, to Charlie Crist, who had run for statewide office about seven to eight times, um, you know, I, you know, on the issues that were important today to Floridians, he had not always been good on. And, and so I made that a very big part of my frustration with the Democratic Party is here in a time when we are seeing uh, women's rights being eroded, uh, seeing them going after the, the black community, the gay community, not standing up for, for, women, for people's rights, uh, that we would not be picking somebody who was uh, female, younger, and has proven to be a warrior for, for Democrats. Uh, and it's unfortunate that the establishment went a different direction. Well, here we are. And talk about this campaign. I mean, what did you learn about what was different about the campaign to be Florida? Because you seem to consume the airways. You seem to dominate. You seem to flip roles where it wasn't that you had to follow another opponent around. It seems like you were able to dictate the pace of the race. Talk about that. As far as the 2022 race? No, the- I mean, I mean com- by comparison to you, your your race for the Democratic chair of the Florida, the Florida Democratic chair versus running for uh, the Democratic nomination for governor. Yeah, you know, when I ran for governor, it was an uphill battle um, because I wasn't well known. I had only been elected, you know, four years earlier and was on the bottom of the ticket. You know, everybody was, you know, all the energy in 2018 was for Andrew, rightfully so, uh, Andrew Gillum. And and so all the energy was at the top of the ticket. And so no one even knew who I was. And so I spent four years really trying to get familiarized with the people of our state of who I was, what I was doing and what I was pushing for. So even in my the primary, I, I was fighting against the establishment. I was fighting, you know, against other electeds who, you know, wanted their name in the lights. And so there's a lot of that. Again, Democrats don't know how to get out of our own way. We also like to push people down and not lift people up. And I saw a lot of that from the institutions um, when it came to to my governor's race. And it was always an uphill battle. And I think that when I decided to eventually run for chair, and and it was not something I planned on doing, I actually said no uh, numerous times to a lot of people. And eventually, I just couldn't sit back and watch what this governor was doing to to my state, and finally made made the plunge to pull it, to make that decision. And there was an all out crying of support um, I think that there was a couple of buyer's remorse um, from the primary from 2022, um, where people said maybe if we had given her a shot, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. So there was some of that buyer's remorse and some of that, you know, people wanting to, we had to do something different. You know, we couldn't just keep electing a chair that was only going to be there for a couple of years or to just kind of go through the same old, same old. And they saw that I was coming in with a different perspective, different fight and and so it was a more of a, a lot of people in our party really kind of coming together and supporting me. A specific issue question real quick. Cannabis in Florida. What's the latest and why has it taken so long for uh, recreational cannabis to get to what I thought it would be kind of the next step in Florida? So we still have medical. Uh, there is right now 23 licenses. Uh, the final black farmer license was finally handed out last uh, this past year. Only took them, you know an extra five years to hand out that one sacred black farmer's license. Um, so we've got 23 licenses in the state. Everything is still vertically integrated, which means that only those 23 license holders can touch the plant outside the patient. Uh, there's about 800,000 patients in the state. 
Uh, every time that the Democrats have been pushing for legalization in the legislature, it has been met with a significant resistance. Uh, there has been constitutional ballot initiatives that the Supreme Court has kicked out. Uh, as of today, there is a new ballot initiative that is sitting in the Supreme Court. Um, from what I saw as of this morning, actually, um, there are only a couple hundred thousand signatures away from it being authorized to be on the ballot, but we got to wait for the Supreme Court to come out, and that's for full legalization. Uh, it, it's interesting because in Florida, if you ask anybody, you know, we're typically a, a libertarian state of governments get out of my way. Let me, I've got Key West and we've got the beaches and we've got Disney and we've got cruises and everybody's kind of, we have a melting pot of people coming from all over the world that comes to Florida. And so we've always been a hands off, let people do what they do. Um, but unfortunately, when it comes to cannabis, which polls at close to 80%, again, another one of those issues that crossovers is no longer a partisan issue. Um, but we just can't get these Republicans. And in fact, interesting enough um, that I legalized hemp when I was commissioner. And it was in the three years that hemp has been legalized in the state. Uh, you're going to be surprised, but not really about these numbers. Three years, I created 189,000 jobs, $16.5 billion worth of salaries, $13 billion industry. It is now the sixth largest industry in the state, um, larger than citrus and larger than sugar in Florida. And unfortunately, the Republican legislature wants to eliminate hemp production in our state. Um, so it's they're going in the opposite direction and they're going to find that all the people that have been able to succeed are our farmers, are our small business owners, 10,000 small businesses, uh, and they are really missing the, the what the people are looking for. A couple more questions about about your 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 past to get to where you are, and then we'll we'll deep dive into DeSantis real quick. But uh, let me ask you a question about Ag Commissioner because you brought it up. But what do these roles typically do, and why should Democrats? We haven't for a long time, but why should Democrats care, and in particular, why should people of color care about that role as Ag Commissioner? It's actually a really significant role that most people don't even know is on the ballot. Um, one is. It's not just Commission of Agriculture, it's Agriculture and Consumer Services. So half of the job is to regulate agriculture, which agriculture is the second largest um, economic driver of our state. Uh, there's about 2 million jobs, 1 million are undocumented workers. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Republicans continue to go after and now created a felony if you even are having um, somebody um, in your in your home. Uh, and so agriculture in Florida is significant. And we know historically agriculture in the United States and in Florida has been very white male dominated, um, that we've seen lawsuits across the, the country over time going after the USDA and banks about the, the disproportionate amount of money that has been given to white farmers versus black farmers. Um, and so we've seen a lot of just inherent discrimination that's come out of the USDA and Departments of Agriculture across the state. So that is one aspect to make sure that you've got somebody who's sitting there who's looking at it from a different perspective. And then you have the consumer services aspect, making sure that you have somebody fighting for the consumers and not necessarily protecting the big companies and the big interests. But the other part of all of this, one is a member of the Florida cabinet. There's only four people. 
governor, CFO, attorney general, and commissioner of agriculture. So the Department of Law Enforcement, Highway Motor Vehicles, um, Office of Insurance Regulation, Office of Financial Regulation, all of these land grants, all of, of this stuff falls underneath the full cabinet. And Department of Environmental Protection, all these really big issues that impact Floridians every single day. And to make sure that you've got balance on that cabinet. The other thing is a member of the Florida cabinet, you also are a member of the clemency board. Um, and so that is also a significant, significant vote um, when it comes to restoring of people's rights and, and pardons. Um, and so most commissioners of agriculture don't look like me. You know, they came from, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth generation agriculture um, who are just concerned about making sure that they're doing the, the ribbon cutting for a new farm or making sure that there's, you know, water regulations are in place. And we just said, okay, we got to make some significant changes. Agriculture is changing between vertical integration and, and environmentally savvy policies and to make sure that you have somebody who is forward thinking um, to really, as I kept saying, I wanted to make Florida the Silicon Valley of the East when it came to agriculture. But you have to have somebody who is forward thinking in order to accomplish that. How do you build effective state democratic parties in deep red states? Because I would have never told you or guessed eight years ago that Florida was a deep red state, but now it appears to be. So a new, new challenge for Nikki. How do you build these? How do you build an effective state party? You know, and I'm going to have to challenge that. I don't think that we are a deep red state. Um, <laughs> South Carolina's deep red and y'all are just, we're ruby red. Y'all are light, light red. Okay. You, you, you. you know, I, I think there's a couple of things, you know, what Democrats have not been doing. And because I don't put this on, you know, the, the Republicans winning, I'm putting this on Democrats have been losing. And that's everything from not doing the voter registration and keeping up with voter registration to voter engagement year round, which the Republicans have been doing. Um, and so we saw in November of 2022, Democrats did not show up. We gave them nothing to vote for. And so they said, well, either I'm voting for something and, and people that haven't been, you know, fighting for me, or I can just stay home. And so that's what happened. People stayed home. And, and so that is part of our challenge right now is to make sure that we're rebuilding our brand, that we are going out there and showing Democrats fighting, that we are standing up, that we are recreating our communications team, that we're talking to people year round, that we are going into the newspapers, that we're going into, you know, black owned media, that we're like this, you know, and going into podcasts and going into Hispanic owned media. And so we're going to do this. And, and what's interesting is that all these issues that Ron DeSantis has radicalized in our state and the Republican legislature are issues that the people don't want. His arrogance of 19 points is leading to a six-week abortion ban. Six weeks, that's all out abortion ban. And, and so the 75% of Floridians don't want that. 71% of Floridians did not want a permitless carry legislation that the governor signed on Monday. They don't want a tax on our higher ed system. And so it is going to be really important for Democrats right now to make sure we're on point on message on the issues that the people actually care about. 60% increase of property insurance. Half of our state can't get new property insurance written for them. Premiums are increasing every single day. People can't afford to live here. Those are the issues. And so as long as Democrats start showing that we're going to show up for the people, that we're continuing to fight, that we're getting the message right, and that the Republican Party are not listening to the people, the pendulum is going to have to swing back. This is not who Florida is, what, what Ron DeSantis is doing. The pendulum is going to swing, and it's going to be swinging faster because of the extreme radicalization of these agenda issues. 
it is going to be incumbent upon me and the rest of the Florida Democratic Party to get our shit in order before yep. the pendulum swings back. It's to a make strong it party. It's a strong party. I mean, you, you have strong personalities. It's not a party that doesn't have money. I mean, it, you just got to do yep. something different with your base, I think. That's correct. It's to energize our base, give people a seat at the table. It's talking to everybody year round. It's showing up. I don't know. Having a chair getting arrested is not a bad thing either. Um, you know. I saw that. <laughs> I, I, look, I, people know I've been arrested one time. I'm not going to be arrested again. I, I, I saw you get arrested. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, she is not built for prison. But, but I'm glad she did. It was worth it. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you a couple of questions, and I'll, I'm going to let you skedaddle. Why is DeSantis, and this is my opinion, you could say I'm wrong, but why is DeSantis a tougher general election matchup for Biden than Trump? Uh, I think a couple of reasons. One is because if you're going to see the comparison between the ages, and I'm just going to say it, you know, that the energy between between the two, I think it makes people nervous. Because I, I know, too, that there, there's the general conversation out there, you know, is, is Biden too old to run for reelect? You know, and so having that comparison of, of somebody who is a little bit younger, um, a little bit more aggressive. Um, and two, DeSantis has a way of spinning things that makes people feel like they can't attack the issue. And so he says things in a way that if you all sit down and you and you look back and you peel back the on, peel back the onion, you realize it's bullshit. But it sounds really good on talking points. And, and so it's hard because now de Democrats are explaining it. And, you know, when we explain things, we lose. And so he knows how to right. He knows how to use the media to make sure that he's always on offense. And, and Democrats have been really hard to, to flip that script to make sure that we are on offense and make them on defense. We are not there yet as a party to figure out, which is crazy because we've got really, really smart people, um, but we can't figure out how to be on offense. And I think that DeSantis would consistently put us on defense. That I think is where the difficult part will be. What are some of the things that listeners can do to help out a new burgeoning voice? I've, I've known Nikki Freed for a long time, but you're now a burgeoning voice on the scene because you are now chair of a swing state. Although I said red, maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll, swing. We'll, we'll figure out what it is. What can people do to help you help the state of Florida and what's next? Yep. So a couple of things. One, um, we have a really, really, really important Jacksonville race um, coming up. The mayor. mayor of Jacksonville. Right? Yep. Mayor of Jacksonville. Um, that is a, in a runoff election on May 16th. So if you are anywhere in the vicinity or want to volunteer, um, we need boots on the ground to turn out the vote. We might be calling on you to come back out to Juval. Um, <laughs> but, but making sure that we are turning out the vote. It is a blue county. I won the county, Andrew Gillum won the county, um, Biden won. This is a blue county. We have been just unsuccessful getting to these local city races. So we got routed in the last gubernatorial race, which blows my mind. Correct. So we, this is an opportunity to pick up a mayor's race. So one, get engaged. Her name is Donna Deegan, but we also have a couple other races that including a county um, property appraiser, which would be the first black female that will ever be elected uh, to the property appraiser. Um, so that's another race to pay attention to. So Duval. So if you've got any money to give to Duval, uh, go ahead, volunteer, boots on the ground. Um, we're trying to make this a national race. I know we're not Chicago, but certainly, you know, it's, it's that important to get the momentum going for Florida. Two, I've been asking everybody, if you've got $5 to give and you're willing to do it every single month, 
$5, if we have 250,000 Democrats that give $5 a month, that's $1.2 million uh, money dollars into FGP every single month. That gives me the money to do the voter registration, to do the grassroots organizing, uh, make sure that we are touching our college campuses because my God, we need our Gen Zers registered to vote. We need them organized. We need them coming out there. And so any financial help, because um, even if it's $5 a month, uh, significantly will help the FTP. Well, Nick, I love you. I'm coming to do, it's not called Duval. Duval. <laughs> Nikki Free, chairman of the Florida Democratic Party. Thank God they're in good hands. They've had good leadership before. They got good leadership again. I don't know how you're going to merge all of the personalities in Florida, but good luck. And shout out to my girl, the minority leader. What's her name? Lauren Book. Did I get that yeah, right? Lauren Book. Yes. Lauren Book. Yeah, she's amazing. Shout out to Lauren Book. And I appreciate you. Love you. Anything I can do. Let me know when, I, when you want me to come to Duval and I'll be there. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us.